Hi everybody, it's Steve Weir, Grace Point's Pastor of Arts and Communication, and I'm here to say welcome, or welcome back, to the Grace Point Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to our podcast via iTunes or on our YouTube channel. Feel free to check out our website for all the latest information about everything going on here at Grace Point. But most importantly, I hope the following presentation inspires you to take your next step toward becoming a fully committed follower of Jesus Christ. Enjoy. You know, it is a relief to get good news after we've gotten some weighty bad news. I have a friend who recently went went to a doctor's appointment and was told that there was a possibility that he may have cancer, was going to need some tests. So then had the tests and then had to wait for, for those results. And if you've ever been in that situation, you know that those are long waits. I mean, from the time you get the first word to when you get the test and then when you get the test results. And so fortunately in this situation, he found out that it was not cancer. And so that was a celebration. That was a relief. Maybe you've had that experience in some other area of your life. You get a letter from a lawyer or from a bank, some, some bad news. And then it gets resolved, and there, there's nothing quite like the relief that comes when you get that good news and that weight gets lifted off of your shoulders. We as Christ followers have access to, to good news constantly that comes after bad news. We call it the gospel. That's actually the meaning of the word gospel is good news. And it comes after bad news. The bad news is that sin has entered the world. It has polluted the world. It has ruined many personal lives and on a global scale it has wreaked havoc. That's the bad news. But the good news is that God loved us so much. We sang this earlier. God loved us so much that he He didn't stay distant. He came to redeem us, to give his life as a ransom for us so that we could have new life. That's good news. Problem is sometimes that good news gets buried under the bad news that we hear every day on, on the news. Sometimes it gets buried under the busyness of life. And this morning what we want to talk about is the importance of surfacing that, that good news. Making sure that it doesn't get buried because you and I desperately need it and the people around us desperately need it. And so we're going to talk this morning about the why of sharing our faith and also talk about how to do that. So if you take a Bible and turn with me to 1 Corinthians 15. We are ending this series that we've been in this month. We've been celebrating our 120th anniversary and a lot of things have changed in 120 years, but some things have not. Some core things have not. Our mission as a church has not changed. Our mission is to make disciples of Jesus. And, and the way we say that at Grace Point is that we want to help more people become fully committed followers of Jesus Christ. And the way we pursue that, the way we pursue becoming a fully committed follower is to engage in four disciplines And we've looked at these this month. Worship, connect, serve, and share. And so today we're going to dive into to share in the moments that we have here. Talk about sharing the good news of of the gospel. As we look at 1 Corinthians 15, we're coming near the end of a letter 
that Paul has, has written to this church in Corinth that is mostly a letter of correction. I mean, the church in Corinth is very messed up. So if we ever feel like we're messed up as a church, we should just read 1 Corinthians and we can know it can always be worse. But he's coming to the end of, of that letter and all the mess of that church in Corinth cannot eclipse the good news of Christ. And he describes it here in these first eight verses. Now, I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received. And what follows now is, is a very succinct explanation of the gospel, the good news of Christ. Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, last of all, as to one untimely born, Paul says, he appeared also to me. I want to point you to some technical language in verse 3. Paul says, I delivered to you, as in first importance, what I also received. Those two terms, I delivered to you and what I received. Those are technical terms that talk about the, the intentional and the systematic transfer of a set of beliefs. The, the, the Jewish faith was very intentional about this about getting it right, like passing on the, the truth about who they believed God to be and what he had done, passing that on from one generation to the next. They were very intentional about doing this. And so, first of all, they did that orally before before we wrote things down as commonly as we do today. So first it was oral passing on. They would memorize boys, because back in thousands of years ago, it was boys who went for education. Boys would memorize all of the five first books of the Bible, sometimes all of the Hebrew scriptures, what we know as the Old Testament, they would memorize all of it so that they could be passing that on to the next generation. Initially, that was all oral transmission. Then it became written as writing became more common. And then they were very careful about, they were tediously careful about passing it on. So we can, we can know that the words that we have are are true to what was originally written. So they, to, to the point where they would count the number of letters in a book, and then when they made the copy, they would make sure, they would count the number of letters, make sure that the numbers matched up. If it didn't match up, they would throw it away and start over again. This was in the days before uh, copying machines. This was how committed they were to passing on and delivering what, what God had shown to them. And so as an aid to passing on truth, creeds developed over the years. You, you, some of you may be coming from a, a tradition that would recite the Apostles' Creed or one of the creeds each week. What we have here in 1 Corinthians 15 is Bible students believe is the, the earliest creed that we have. It's the simplest, most succinct explanation of what Jesus did, what the gospel is. And so we see it here in verse 3. 
that Jesus died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, also known as Peter, then to the twelve. That That's the simplest explanation of what Jesus did. And I have to point this out. I don't have a lot of time here this morning, but I have to point this out because it's so cool that the the Greek verb tenses change across those actions that happen here. The Greek verb tenses for Christ died and that he was buried, that's that's in a, a tense called the aorist tense, which just means it, it something happened, it went, it passed on. But the, the the verb tense for he was raised on the third day. That is the Greek tense known as the perfect tense. That's what it's called, the perfect tense. And what the perfect tense indicates is a completed action with lasting effects. And so I'm going to ask you for an amen on that. It is good news that Jesus was raised from the dead, and that is a completed action with lasting effects. Amen? That, that is what we're celebrating here this morning. And that is the good news that someone close to you needs to know right now. There's someone close to you who's had an incredible loss. Maybe it's a loss, one of the ones that we talked about here, a loss of a loved one. Maybe it's a loss of some other kind. Maybe they are just despairing of hope. But someone near you needs the news that Jesus defeated death. I mean, we've talked already, Daryl mentioned already several deaths that have impacted our church family just in the last few weeks. Lark and and Heidi Perez, the the tragic loss of their 16-month-old. And and it is amazing to me as I'm walking with them through this just to see, obviously there's an intense grief, an intense loss of what could have been in Atlee's life. But there's also an amazing faith that they are demonstrating. And it's a faith because they believe that Jesus rose from the dead and that Atlee's life is not over and that they will be reunited with him again someday. That's what gives them hope. And then Daryl mentioned about the, the young man who just started attending our, our student ministry and his father died this past week from, from cancer. And then I, I reached out to someone this week to, to set up a lunch And they told me they were going to a funeral, and this was their fourth funeral in six weeks. I mean, sometimes it just comes in waves. And when it comes in waves like that, we desperately need good news. And so I want to just unpack very briefly this creed, this good news that that Paul is describing here. First, he says that, that Christ died for our sins. He starts with bad news. That Christ died, the fact that Christ died is bad news. The fact that the Son of God would have to die and give his life, that's bad news in and of itself. He died for our sins. The, the fact that we have sin is bad news. I, I know that sin is not a popular word in, in our world today. We're trying to wipe it out by saying whatever you want to do is, is okay, but, but it is vital that we understand that the bad news starts with the fact that, that you and I have fallen short of the standard that God has given us. And the problems in our world are not something that are just outside of ourselves, and it's not something that culture just is forcing on us. The problems in our world are a result. They're coming from the inside of us as human beings, every one of us. 
as individuals and we contribute to this pollution that is known as sin. And Christ died for our sins. I know it's sometimes hard for us to admit on our own that, that we have sin, but you know it when somebody sins against you. And when someone sins against you and it doesn't get resolved, what's the result of that? Your relationship is separated. Your relationship is broken. And our sin against God separates us from him. But thank God he was not content to leave us separated from him. And so Jesus came to give his life. And Paul says, in accordance with the scriptures... He died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. Let me point you to one scripture. We could go to several, but let me point you to one that's probably the clearest in Isaiah 53. A prophecy made hundreds of years before Jesus came. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. We thought it was his own sin that he was suffering for, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Paul says, Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. And then in verse 4, that he was buried. The fact that Jesus was buried is evidence that he died. So he didn't just swoon. There's this theory that maybe he never actually died and he just got very weak. And so then they put him in a tomb and put a giant stone up and somehow he revived himself and pushed the stone out of the way and ran off. That takes more faith to believe, I think, than the fact that he was raised from the dead. So he was buried as an evidence that he died and then Paul says he was raised on the third day in accordance, in accordance with the scriptures. So we'll go back again to Isaiah 53. It was the will of the Lord to crush him. He is put into grief. But when his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring. He's going to live again. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. And, and another uh, another Old Testament scripture from the Psalm, Psalm 1610. You will not abandon my soul to Sheol or let your Holy One see corruption. The book of Acts tells us that this was pointing as well to Jesus. He was raised according to the scriptures. So there's two evidences that Jesus was raised. One is the Hebrew scriptures. And the second is the eyewitnesses that saw him after he was raised. That's what Paul goes on to describe. In verse 5, he appeared to Cephas, also known as Peter, then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. So Paul is saying here, most of these people are still alive. If you want to go talk to them, they're still there. Go ask them what they saw. And then he appeared to James and to all of the apostles. And last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. Paul wants to make it very clear here. He's not talking about some kind of spiritual resurrection. This is not some symbol of life after death. This was a historical event that Jesus was actually dead, and then he rose again, and that is what changes everything. I'm not an ancient historian, 
But I want you to hear from someone who is because it's so vital that we understand that there's, there is good, valid reason for us to believe that, that what we talk about with Jesus being raised from the dead actually happened. Take a listen to this video. All right, I, we're, we're going a little bit long here today, but we conditioned you for this last week because we, and we won't go as long as we, we did last week, but I have to share a couple of really key things here with you because there may be somebody here this morning who is really struggling with the factuality and the historicity of the scripture. So I want to point out this, this point that there are two factors that validate a historical document. One is the number of copies that we have of that document, and the other is the gap between the time that the document was first written and the earliest copy that we have. And so to give you an example, a comparison to the New Testament, uh, I would I would point you to Homer's Iliad. And some of you read that in, in high school. I just brought up a really bad memory for, for some of you. And so, but, but Homer's Iliad, we have 1,800 copies of it. That's, that's pretty good. And the gap between the time that Homer actually wrote the Iliad and when the first copy that we have is 350 to 400 years. Now, if we compare the New Testament to that, we have 5,700 copies of the New Testament, almost three times as many. And, and the Iliad is the next in line for the best attested. So we have 5,700, and the gap is less than 50 years. So we can be confident that what we have in the New Testament is truly what was written, and so what these... Gospel writers said they saw when they saw a risen Christ. This, this is what they said. They saw obviously something. And, and my point in, in bringing these things to your attention is you don't have to turn your brain off when you are pursuing your faith. In fact, it's vital that you not turn your brain off because that person in your life that needs hope needs their hope to be based on something that really happened. Not just some figment of somebody's imagination, not just a myth or a legend. Someone near you needs the news that Jesus defeated death. And so that's why we're talking this morning about this fourth practice of of share and sharing with the people around us. Jesus' resurrection is our, our hope. And so it should inform the way we speak to someone who has experienced loss. Let me just give you some pastoral advice for, for a moment. When you are talking with someone who has experienced a, a loss in their life, here's the best thing that you can say to them. Some, sometimes we say, I, I don't know what to say, so I don't say anything. Here's the best thing you can say. I'm sorry for your loss. When, when you say that's the best first thing that you can say. Because when you say that, you are weeping with those who weep. You're entering into their, their pain. And you're saying, I, I'm sorry for you. Now, here's a second thing that you can say. And this is where we point them to the hope in Christ. And this may come later down the road. Or it may come, like, as a sympathy card. I would encourage you, maybe when you're talking to somebody in, in person, it's just, I'm sorry for your loss. Then you send them a sympathy card. And, and in that sympathy card, especially for those who may not share your hope in, in Christ, just say to them, it's at times like this that I, I'm so thankful for my faith that Christ has overcome death. And just plant that seed and just whet their appetite to talk about it further. That's a way that we can speak hope. Share, sharing begins with prayer. Share begins with prayer. So as you think about the people around you in, in your life, I would encourage you to make a list 
of people to be praying for on a regular basis because it's God who changes their heart. Paul, Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. The gospel is the power of God for salvation, not your presentation of the gospel. It doesn't have to be perfect, but it is the gospel as we communicate those that creed, those basic truths about what Jesus did. God is the one who takes that and transforms hearts and speaks hope into them. So pray for people regularly. Ask God for opportunities and make opportunities to share with others. I was so encouraged a month or so ago I had breakfast with someone uh, that attends here at Grace Point. This is a professional that works in New York City. And he told me that years ago... He, he made a, a promise to the Lord. He just said, God, I, I want to share my faith with somebody every day. And so he goes on his lunch hour and he just watches for people that he can engage in conversation. And he opens with the question, can I ask you a question? And if they say yes, then he moves on from there. And his second question is, if, if you were to die today, now keep in mind, he doesn't have a lot of time with this person. He's not building relationships. If you were to die today, do you know that you would go to heaven? And would you like to know how you can know? And and their conversation goes from there. And he utilizes these uh, these little booklets. There's one of these little books somewhere close to you, about every third chair. If there's not one available for you to take, I would encourage you to take that with you and utilize it. We have more out at the, the Welcome Center that you can pick one up if you don't have one at your seat. But to engage in conversation with people because someone near you needs to know that Jesus defeated death. A few weeks ago, we recognized the 20th anniversary of 9-11. That was a real historical event that, that many of us were alive to, to witness in the news. And that, that was a real historical event with lasting impact. And that is that would fall into the bad news category. That's the kind of bad news that drives us to, to need good news. The good news in the good news category is Jesus' resurrection, a real historical event that has lasting impact. And somebody near you needs to know that news that Jesus defeated death. Would you stand with me? I'm going to pray for us as we are dismissed this morning. Father, you have planted each one of us in a neighborhood, in a workplace, in a family with people who to date, have not embraced the hope that comes from faith in Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, thank you for planting us there. Help us to bloom with the joy of walking with you and help us to bloom with the passion and the love that drives us to to open up conversations with that person, to share with them the good news that you conquered death, which gives us all hope, uh, not only in this life, but for the life to come. And we thank you for this. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.